Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The latest from 7 News with Michael Usher. Good evening and welcome. Tonight, midnight lockdown, Victoria's restrictions explain. Protests kick off. Sydney's COVID numbers expected to rise as an aged care home goes into high alert. Financial feud, the PM criticised after announcing a JobKeeper replacement scheme. And footy fallout, AFL teams scrambled to escape Melbourne. But first, at midnight, Melbourne will return to a state of lockdown of five days of restrictions to curb the growing outbreak. Here's the Premier announcing that news earlier. I want to assure all Victorians that our contact tracers are moving faster than they ever have. But as fast as they're moving, they're just keeping pace with this virus. They're not getting in front of it. And unless they get in front of it, we won't drive these numbers down. You only get one chance to go hard and go fast. If you wait, if you hesitate, if you doubt, then you'll always be looking back wishing you had done more earlier. Well, let's have a look at the state of play across the country tonight. Victoria recorded four new cases, taking the total to 18. All of these originate from two groups of people who travelled from Sydney. The lockdown will affect the whole state for the next five days. Meanwhile, New South Wales recorded 65 new cases, a fall of 24 from yesterday, but with 25 of those out in the community, while infectious, there are fears of another decent rise tomorrow. In Queensland, there were five new cases recorded, three in the community including a 12-year-old boy. Masks will remain mandatory in 11 south-east Queensland areas. And after a COVID scare earlier this week, South Australia has introduced new restrictions from midnight. Masks are required in aged care facilities and locations like hairdressers. Singing and dancing are banned and customers in licensed premises restricted to 50. Well, as we go to where we have our team of Seven News reporters standing by with the very latest angles right around the country tonight. But first, let's go to Estelle Greepink, live in Melbourne CBD. Estelle, good evening. Uh, there have been lockdown protests there tonight. There have been, Michael, and they were out on the steps outside Flinders Street Station earlier this evening. This meant there was a big police presence in the CBD as that group marched towards State Parliament demanding an end to lockdowns. Now, we are less than an hour away from entering our fifth lockdown here in Victoria, and that means those five reasons to leave the home are back in place along with the five-kilometre bubble. Students are going to have to go back to remote learning and office workers going back to working from home home. There's a lot of frustration in the community tonight about how we have to go down into another lockdown. We were only in one a couple of weeks ago, but a lot of Melburnians are conceding it's better now rather than later so we can actually get on top of things. We know that there are a lot more exposure sites being added to the list as the hours go on, about 20 around in the last couple of hours. We know there are now over 100 on the health website and tonight there are concerning reports that there was a positive case who attended the Wallaby game at mm. the Amy Park Stadium on Tuesday. There were 20,000 people at that match, Michael, so now we're waiting to hear just how many people will need to isolate. That is a worry. It's just so infectious and those growing list of exposure sites too also a concern. Um, but still, the Premier, Dan Andrews, he made a direct plea to the PM over extra financial help for residents. Have a listen to what he said earlier. Well, there is need in Victoria from 11.59pm tonight. 
and we expect that the Commonwealth Government will step up and help those people who need that help. Uh, we're part of this nation, it's needs based, it's not foreign aid, we're not a different country. You know, we make our contribution and we expect that the National Government supports us. Well, Estelle, it looks like they do because we understand a deal between the Victorian and Federal Governments has been agreed to tonight. It has been, Michael, and this is in reference to some income support payments that the federal government had announced for those going through a lockdown of seven days or more. We now know that the government has come to an agreement with our Premier Daniel Andrews and those payments will be made available to Victorians who are obviously going through a five-day lockdown for now at least. So that means that those people who are unable to work because of this lockdown will be getting some financial support. It's believed that those payments will hit bank accounts after Friday the 23rd of July. All right, well, that is some comfort tonight. All right, what have we got? 50 minutes now to lockdown. Estelle Greepink there in Melbourne. Thank you very much. There are growing concerns about residents exposed to COVID-19 at an aged care home in Sydney. Our reporter, Serena Andaloro, standing by at Minchinbury Manor in Rooty Hills. Serena, good evening to you. What do we know? Michael, good evening to you. Well, this facility has been locked down after a contract cleaner tested positive. Health sources have told me that uh, they believe this case was infectious potentially for two days, the 13th and 14th of July. They've also said that all of their close contacts have been collected. They're all in quarantine and every resident here is in the process of being tested. Now, the saving grace here, Michael, is that 90% we understand of residents are vaccinated and 90% of staff. All right, now, Serena, despite Sydney's lower case numbers today, the New South Wales Premier has issued a warning not to celebrate too soon. Have a listen. That's a welcome drop on yesterday's numbers, but it comes with a warning in that 28 of those cases were infectious in the community uh, whilst uh, they were obviously out and about. So that is the critical number that we need to watch in the days ahead. We need to get that 28 number as close to zero as possible. I am predicting we will have higher case numbers tomorrow. Well, Serena, Gladys Berejiklian predicted those higher numbers again tomorrow, as you heard her say. What's that prediction based on? Well, Michael, uh, that prediction is based on, as we've heard, the number of community transmissions, which is, of course, the number that really counts when it comes to the length of this lockdown. Health sources I've spoken to say it is very, very unlikely that we will see this lockdown end any time soon. In fact, it's likely that it will continue into the next month. But a fresh list of exposure sites has just moments ago dropped for that full list. Look at the New South Wales Health website. There is real concern among authorities that this is beginning to spread through our health system. We've seen uh, paramedics test positive, a doctor, a nurse, and we're also seeing GPs and pharmacies become major points of transmission for this virus. All right, Serena, as parents head into day four of homeschooling tomorrow, it's going to keep on going. Serena Andaloro in Sydney, thank you. Plans to lift restrictions across uh, Queensland's southeast have been thrown off course after three new local infections were recorded in the community. Our reporter Alex Lewis is live in Brisbane. Alex, good evening to you tonight. Uh, what do we know about these new cases? Well, good evening, Michael. It did seem a little too good to be true for a while. Three new uh, local cases, none of them linked so far. One of them a 12-year-old boy and another a vaccinated airport worker. Uh, the 12-year-old boy had flown in from the US with his mum last month. They'd done 12, uh, 14 days of hotel quarantine in Sydney, which is where he's believed to have caught the virus. They flew up to Brisbane on Friday and met with the boy's father. 
who has also since tested positive and unfortunately uh, worked while infectious at a finance firm on the Sunshine Coast. But what authorities are really worried about is that airport worker vaccinated, uh, as I mentioned, which sort of proves that even if you've had the jab, you can still catch and transmit the virus. And, and they are worried that she may transmit it, but she's been to um, a supermarket in the inner city suburb of Annalee, uh, as well as a, a chemist there, so potentially hundreds of exposures. We've also had confirmed tonight that the parent um, of a student at Loretto College in Kuperu has tested positive. It's unclear whether that individual is any of today's cases, but we're learning more tonight about where they, their movements, a uh, number of new exposure sites uh, added to the Queensland mm. Health List, including uh, Westfield, Carindale, uh, and a number of cafes there. Uh, but in light of these new cases, uh, the restrictions have unfortunately had to be extended yeah. another seven days, uh, mask wearing and also restrictions on how many people venues can have, uh, etc. And authorities, uh, the message is that by uh, enduring another seven days of these restrictions, we can avoid tougher ones and, and, and Queensland is going into lockdown like Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, let's hope so because the, the, those hotspots, those infection sites are going to increase by the morning, can guarantee that there. Um, but some developing news tonight, a, a twist in the relocation of the NRL teams and a lot of unhappy families tonight, Alex. Yes, Michael. Well, Seven News has learnt that the families of Greater Sydney-based NRL teams have been denied an exemption to travel to Queensland and, and join the quarantine bubble on the Gold Coast on Saturday, uh, which is when they were due to fly up. Uh, they've received a letter from the NRL uh, saying that Queensland Health wants more information about the quarantine facilities, uh, but the NRL is still very much committed to getting them into Queensland and, and hopefully uh, by the end of uh, next week, Michael. Might be some good news for them then. All right, Alex in Brisbane, thank you. Victoria's snap lockdown has driven the AFL season into further uncertainty tonight. Our AFL reporter Tom Brown has just arrived in Brisbane. Tom, good evening to your players. Once again, making a quick mass exodus from Melbourne. Good evening, Michael. Who would have thought we'd be here in Brisbane tonight to continue much of the season? The Victorian government said they had to move hard and fast, and the AFL in many respects has too today, moving six teams out of Melbourne and three games. It was a drama packed day. It started early this morning. The Bulldogs, Sydney and the Giants all moved out of Melbourne. Sydney and the Giants have this opportunity here in south-east Queensland to reunite with their families. They haven't seen them now in more than three weeks. Around midday, it was decided that Essendon and North would also leave to come to south-east Queensland tonight. Richmond following suit for Friday night football against the Lions. The AFL flipping that. In terms of what it means for the fixture this weekend, they're still at this stage, at this stage, three games in Melbourne. Melbourne, Hawthorne, also St Kilda Port. And again on Sunday, Collingwood Carlton. No crowds, of course, for those with Melbourne in a five-day lockdown. Now, tonight, it's Geelong who's playing in Perth and Richmond who's playing tomorrow night's expectation. They'll be able to return to Melbourne straight after their games. It's also still expected that St Kilda will play in Melbourne, although there's a slight asterisk with that tonight, Mel Michael. It's possible that game could be in Adelaide. The AFL will review that, as my understanding, again tomorrow. But the AFL determined to keep the season going. They're very flexible, very agile. And they've achieved a lot today with six teams and three games moving southeast Queensland, again the centre of attention this weekend. All right, Tom Brown, they're on the road in Brisbane. And Seven News has a special investigation into the COVID situation unfolding right along the East Coast. Don't miss that Spotlight special, The Crisis Exposed, airing this Sunday at 8.30.
A driver's been arrested tonight after running over a police officer near Brisbane. The off-duty cop was hit by a van while riding his personal motorbike on the Pacific uh, motorway rather, uh, at Logan Home. That was around 6.30. He was taken to hospital with fractured ribs and leg injuries after being dragged underneath the vehicle. The 30-year-old man who was driving the van was taken into custody there. South Australia is preparing for a big wintry blast with the Bureau of Meteorology warning residents of powerful winds up to 100 millimetres of rainfall. Also, gusty showers have already hit southern parts of the state, causing widespread power outages. A road weather alert is currently in place along the southern coastlines. And have a look at this. A WA man's been caught on camera abseiling through the roof of a Bunnings store using a garden hose for a daring break-in. Once inside, he helped himself to several items, including power tools, but his escape using the same route did not go to plan. He still managed to escape through a fire exit with around $200 of tools. Well, new research has found that Australians are spending around $390 million a year on streaming services they don't use. Our network finance editor, Gemma Acton, has more on this. Jim, good evening to you. Hey, Michael. I think I fall in this category. <laughs> how, how many of us are losing money on streaming subscriptions? Well, many of us are using streaming subscriptions. Around four in five Australians have one, and then around three in five Australians have more than one, which isn't very hard when you consider there are 15 entertainment subscription services already available in Australia. So the average Australian spends almost $300 a year on streaming services, roughly $25 a month. And as you mentioned, around $390 million that is, is thought to be wasted uh, research by Mozo. People who are just forgetting to cancel, can't be bothered to cancel, or just keep it on in the hope that next week, next month, there'll be yeah. something they actually do want to watch. Because the hook is most of them start with a free trial, get you in, then you forget to either attend to that or mm -hmm. renew it, cancel it or do whatever, that's right. Yes, free trials are really interesting. If you look at a lot of research that's been done into whether they actually work or not, whether they actually convert customers into paying customers, and some really interesting takeaways are that if you offer a free trial to an existing customer, for example, to upgrade to a premium service, they're much more likely to end up paying than if you have a completely new customer who's never tried the service before. Also, if you offer a free trial to someone and say to them, you can give this free trial to all your friends and family as well, they're more likely to end up signing up. And if it's a well-known service, people are more likely because they know what they're getting into. So, for example, a Netflix free trial, most people will sign up, probably with some programs in mind that they want to watch. And so Netflix actually has a really high conversion rate, but some of the lesser-known platforms, not so successful. Netflix has been leading the way. I mean, beyond TV and movies and new push, what are they doing? Yes, it's gaming, actually. So Netflix... Oh, good. More things for the kids to get stuck on. That's excellent. <laughs> Um, it hasn't actually confirmed this, but this is uh, all the speculation at the moment, that they will introduce it as soon as within a year and make it free. So when you look at your Netflix menu, there'll be documentaries, movies, and gaming is another option. Uh, interesting move, gaming is obviously enormously popular and profitable and increasingly so. And it's a real differentiator because Disney Plus doesn't offer this, Amazon Prime doesn't offer this, uh, but it is a very competitive market. So interesting to see whether Netflix does go ahead with it and if they can make a go of it or not. All right, Jim, thank you for that. Thanks, Michael. Well, Britney Spears has made a surprise video appearance in court today, breaking down as her conservatorship case continues. The teary pop star told the judge she wants her father charged with abuse, calling for an investigation. And in a small win for Spears, the court ruled that she would finally be allowed to hire her own lawyer.
The South African government's preparing to deploy 25,000 troops in an attempt to curb the worst violence and looting that country has seen in decades. Now, in its sixth day, food and fuel supplies are running short. The death toll has climbed to over 72 and more than 1,200 people have been arrested. The Brazilian president, Jair Bolsonaro, has been admitted to hospital after hiccuping for 10 days straight. The president posted this photo on his Twitter account with the caption, we'll be back soon. Doctors say an intestinal obstruction has caused the persistent, persistent rather hiccups, which might require emergency surgery. Hiccup with our camera too. Now we're back. More than 30 people have died in Germany and dozens more are missing as severe floods sweep through the southwest of the country. Let's bring in our Europe Bureau Chief, Hugh Whitfield, for more. Uh, Hugh, good evening to you. This does not look good. What's the latest? Michael, it's descri described as catastrophic. Just in the last half an hour, the death toll has been revised up to 33, with at least 70 people missing. So there is little doubt that that death toll will only continue to rise. Three months' worth of rain has fallen in the last three days in western Germany and parts of eastern Belgium as well. Many of these rivers flowing into the huge Rhine River that dominates uh, western Germany in between places like Dusseldorf and Cologne. Uh, so what we've seen is a huge amount of damage. Some residents have described it on par with uh, bombing damage from World War II with entire houses washed away, cars and trucks flowing through the streets uh, with all of that water as well. Among the dead, two firefighters and some people have been killed because they were hiding out in cellars beneath homes as well. Some people have tried to get to safety on the roofs of their homes and had to be rescued by helicopter. Uh, the floods and damage are causing fatalities in Belgium as well, as I say, where two people have been killed. Uh, the heavy rains uh, have been falling across Western Europe for a couple of days now and are expected to continue to fall. Uh, now, uh, the German Chancellor Angela Merkel is actually in the United States uh, right now. She's about to meet with uh, Joe Biden at the White House. She has said that she's shocked by the damage uh, and the news is only going to get grimmer uh, from yeah. this part of Western Europe with the death toll almost certainly to rise and the potential for more rain as well, Michael. Incredible images of that destruction there too. All right, Hugh Whitfield there. Thank you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. back. Melbourne is about to enter its fifth lockdown for five days. We've been reporting with accusations that there's a double standard over Scott Morrison's COVID support for New South Wales. Let's bring in tonight's panellists, Dee Madigan, Carolyn Overington. Great to have you both together again. Carolyn, let me go to you first. Is there a double standard here, do you think? Well, it's hard to know because we haven't seen all the details of the package yet, but I am really disappointed for Victorians. I think another lockdown, a fifth lockdown, 
is devastating news for them. And, and how many cases were there today? Two, I think, bringing the number to 16. I mean, we're talking minuscule numbers here. And it really doesn't seem like it's a smart lockdown at all. And I, and I worry for them. I worry for the mental health of the people who live in the state. I worry about the sort of heavy-handedness that the government brings to these things. There has to be another way. We have to... I mean, lockdowns, we know that they don't really work in that... You lock down, you bring your cases down to zero, you open again, and then the virus escapes either from a port or a dock or a hotel or from quarantine, and then you're off again and you have to lock down again. We have to find a smarter way. And the key to that is obviously to get as many people as possible vaccinated, but also to start thinking a little bit more creatively. I mean, do you have to lock down all of Victoria for 16 cases? I did, look, I disagree with Caroline. I think what we're learning in New South Wales is... is if Gladys had locked down much earlier, we wouldn't be in this really long lockdown now. Daniel Andrews knows better than anyone how lockdowns sort of work, and I think his go hard, go fast is a really good strategy. Um, unfortunately, we can't learn to live with it at the moment until we have vaccinations, because we know, you know, there's one in three people in hospital are in intensive care. That's how bad this strain is. So living with it until we get herd immunity from a decent vaccination program is just not an option at the moment. Carolyn, what the federal government seems to be saying, particularly to Victoria in this case, is we'll do it as a shared funding arrangement. And that's that incentive to not lock down uh, too hard and too early. Like you pay half, we pay half. Is that fair on Victoria tonight? Well, look, it seems to me that what the federal government is trying to do is bring about some kind of national standard so that people have some kind of certainty in their life. I mean, last week there was no talk at all of a lockdown in Victoria and tonight they're about to be plunged into another one. So uh, ju just two weeks ago we were talking about having an agreement that was on a kind of traffic light system where people would have some idea of when they are able to get their lives going again. But we're getting to the point now where people are in despair about lockdowns. The, the, the trigger-happy nature of them, I think, is what we have to address. And th there has to be a bit of um, give and take on, the behalf of, on, on behalf of the Victorian government and on behalf of the federal government. Speaking of double standards, Anastasia Palaszczuk, the Queensland Premier, has been accused of that after granting 400 NRL players and staff exemptions to enter the state, but so far denying eight Olympic track and field athletes from joining their team bubble in Cairns. Dee, this one didn't seem fair. What do you think? Well, it's actually completely fair. They've been offered exactly the same protocol. The difference with the NRL players was they were already in a quarantine bubble because they have to play against each other. So they're effectively in quarantine in other states. The um, athletes had not been in quarantine. So what they're saying is if they go to Queensland, they either have to separate from the Queensland athletes and go into quarantine by themselves, or they all go into quarantine in a bubble. And the Australian Olympic Committee decided not to do that. But they have been offered exactly the same protocol. Carolyn, is that how you read it? No, I mean, Queensland seems to be a law unto themselves when it comes to COVID. It seems, I mean, Queenslanders are wonderful, we all love Queenslanders, but it does seem to me that they make exceptions for all kinds of things. I mean, this time last year we were talking about why are there AFL there and why are they all in these luxury hotels and why are their mm. wives there and why are so many people who didn't seem to be associated with the game able to be in Queensland? There seem to be exceptions for all kinds of people when it comes to Queensland, but that's increasingly the case around the country. I mean, we're seeing the Queensland 
Queensland Premier going to Tokyo for the Olympics. She's making an exception for herself. We saw Scott Morrison going to London, making an exception for himself. We're seeing wealthy people able to leave to go on business. Meanwhile, you have people coming back desperate to see their family members who then die while their son or daughter is in quarantine waiting to see them. You can't have a situation if you are a proper democracy and we're all equal, then the rules should apply to all of us equally. And that has not appeared to be the case in Queensland. Indeed, those exceptions seem to extend into New South Wales and where New South Wales Health uh, today defending its decision to allow an exclusive Sydney private school to send a group of nine students to Kangaroo Valley despite the city's strict lockdown. Should that have been allowed, Dee? No, look, I think Caroline nailed it right on the head when she said there shouldn't be rules for some and not for yeah. others. And, and New South Wales Health, I mean, you know, when they accidentally um, vaccinated 90 private school <laughs> boys and now they're, you know, making an exception, there seems to be a, a special exemption for Sydney private school boys. That's a, it, look, it's a terrible look. But also I can understand when people can't go, you know, to visit loved ones, people who are dying, relatives, all those things, and then these little boys get to go away on their excursion for, you know, a couple of months. I think it's outrageous. Yeah, Carolyn, I got contacted by a WA mum who came <laughs> to Sydney to look after her dying mum. She now can't get back into WA. They won't give her a pass where her 12-year-old daughter is being looked after by another friend right now. Yet here we have oh, nine no. students in Sydney yeah, being allowed I mean... to relocate to a regional campus, really. I mean, it's that kind of thing that's absolutely maddening, isn't it? I mean, it's completely maddening, the idea that somebody is... Uh, I mean, I saw a story the other day, too, where a mother had been separated from her two-year-old for, I think, 15 months because the child had gone to India to, to visit its grandparents and then and not been able to get back. The, the Sydney school case, I mean, I think uh, there's quite a bit of um, uh, criticism of that because it's an exclusive private boys' school. Let's, let's not pretend, Dee, that that's not coming into the criticism of it. The facts around that matter is that these boys at that particular school always spend year nine at a rural campus and so they've gone there en masse as they always do and they are in lockdown in the Kangaroo Valley and then they will begin their term. They'll spend the whole term there. Indeed, I think some of them spend the whole year there and it's an important part of the experience of that school. So it's not quite as simple as private school boys are allowed to go it's on an excursion. Outrageous. It's outrageous. <laughs> it's only outrageous because you are opposed to private education on principle. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. Uh, let me ask you both before you go, um, the call in New South Wales at least recently and it was followed up by the federal health advice was to, if you'd had an AstraZeneca shot, to bring it forward. Um, I've done it. Uh, Dee, you're in that same boat? I did. It took a while. I rang up the hub and they couldn't bring it forward any anymore but I found a place in Canterbury which is pretty much you know one of the COVID hotspots so I probably got COVID by going to get my you know second yeah. I've got to say the, the second shot knocked me around a little bit more than the first I was pretty tired today but I'm all good now so Carolyn, have you, you got you're a still... chance to get the second shot people go and do it yeah Carolyn you're still considering yeah, no, no, I haven't brought my second shot forward, but I spoke to the GP and they recommended not. And, and I think one of the concerns about this is exactly what you've just suggested there, Michael, is that the health advice is not consistent. No. Some GPs are saying, yeah, come after eight weeks, and others are saying, no, wait, the 12. It would be nice to get some clear messaging on this. I'd agree with you on that. You know, I had quite a long conversation before the GP found time to fit me, and he was pretty flat out with uh, people who were booked in as well, but there was a spot eventually that opened up. But there wasn't one 
clear set of advice at all. You know, you've no, got the New do South you Wales. Do you feel okay? Did it? No, I got um, a bit like D actually. I was completely fine on the first shot and felt had it yesterday afternoon. This morning, sort of dizzy, like I was swaying on a boat that lasted a couple of hours. Um, sat down a while and, you know. Probably because I'm also homeschooling two kids at the moment too. That might have also caused this right. dizziness and extra lack of stress or something in it as well. But completely fine tonight. So there you go. All right, good to good to know what both of you are thinking. Uh, Dee and Karen, lovely having you both back together again. Thank you for that. All right, good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jim Reaction's back now with a look at the markets. Thanks, Michael. Well, markets were marching to the beat of their own local drums today. Here at home, a stellar jobs report wasn't enough to offset news of a further spread of the Delta variant and Melbourne's snap lockdown. Meanwhile, Hong Kong shares took comfort in strong data out of China and Japan's Nikkei showed lingering signs of investor caution. And that same trepidation is being felt in European markets, which opened lower and on the main Dow Jones index. The gold price shot higher following the stronger-than-expected inflation report in the US earlier this week, and it's holding its ground, but the Aussie dollar couldn't hold on to slight gains that it made earlier today. It is flat for the session. Michael. Well, thank you for your company this evening from the team here at 7 News. That is the latest. I'm Michael Usher. Have a great night.